The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles, the riddles of the wise. All right, y'all doing good tonight, C12? Yes. As you can tell, uh, there are a lot, uh, a lot more prettier people than me up here with me tonight. Uh, that is a good thing, so you're welcome. But what we are doing is stepping into the final week of this series, Riddles of the Wise, where we've been talking about specific things from the book of Proverbs primarily and trying to extract the wisdom from specific Proverbs and apply them into the areas of your life. And so we started off by talking about the wisdom of dating and relationships and how we can live with boundaries. And then if you just snapped me right now, I don't know how to, like I really don't know what to do because that's my bad side. Uh, but then the second week we talked about the wisdom of financially. And so, yeah, we actually talked about finances at C12. And Robert Morris taught us about the wisdom of tithing and how that actually works. And it brought color to this entire idea, this black and white idea of tithing. And then last week, Dustin Agard, the dude that has got a lot more punch than I do, but even though he's about a foot shorter than me, uh, he was out here teaching us some wisdom of the, of the lessons he would want to tell his three children whenever they got to your season of life. And so tonight we're going to finish this out with a little bit of a Q&A, a little bit of some, some question on your side, some answer, on, well, some, hopefully some answer on our side. Uh, but what we want you to do is be interactive. Normally you get to sit, sit right there and listen to this bearded dude uh, give you a little bit of a monologue. I want to have some dialogue. This is not a spectator sport. You are a participant. So what we're going to do is we are going to go through some questions that y'all have asked during the week. Uh, we encourage you through social media that Onyx talked about. By the way, like hypest announcement video, Hassan, you got to step your game up, son. All right. <laughs> step up. Uh, but what we want to do is uh, take some of the questions you've asked and talk about them. Now, we've done this before here at C12, and I'm just going to give you the forewarning. Every time we do this, people don't leave till like 10 o'clock, all right? So get comfy. If you need to go take a little potty break, go, go tinkle and come back, all right? We're going to keep going uh, until somebody kicks us out is basically how I'm going to approach this. But what I want you to do is while we talk about the questions, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, I didn't send in a question, that's okay. You can do it right now. So this is going to be interactive. You can live tweet in your questions. Everything that you tweet in, you need to do uh, with the at C12Stone. So tag us so that Christine, everyone, y'all say hey to Christine. <laughs> right? Wait, let, all right, now. Now I'm about to get real mad. Let's try that again. Y'all say hey to Christine. Here. I'll yell next time, okay? Uh, <laughs> Now, Christine's going to be taking your questions, and she's going to kind of guide the conversation with the three of us up here, which I'll explain who we are in a second. But we want to get your questions. We're going to talk about them. And it can be questions on anything. Whatever riddle you have in your mind about theology, about God, about your faith, about heaven, about dating, about season of life, about wisdom, about relationships, about dinosaurs, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it, okay? But here's the kind of the preface that I want to give you, okay? This is not Stump the Pastor Night. Right? So you, if you're sitting there like, what can I think of that Matt's going to look like an idiot? Well, I look like an idiot a lot, so you don't have to really try that hard. But second, uh, I am not afraid to say, none of us are, we are not afraid to say, I don't know. 
In fact, with a lot of your questions, if we don't know, we're going to say, I don't know, because it is far better to say, I don't know, than to try to give you some conjectured answer that leads to further confusion. So I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. But the main thing you need to know about this is that every single answer that we're going to give, and Christine as well, every answer that we're going to give is based on primarily the view that we have of God. So A.W. Tozer says, whatever comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. And so however you view God, that is going to shape the answer that you would have to every one of the questions tonight. So that's going to drive the focus of the conversation. Ask anything that you want, anything, anything at all. Like, Matt, how did you get such a better beard than Austin? Totally fine. (laughs) You can ask that. And Jojo Patton, chill out. I talked about my beard again. Calm down, son. All right. So you can ask anything, anything at all, but um, my name's Matt. If y'all didn't know that, um, you get that rhyme. Rhyme time, didn't mean to. Um, Not a lyricist, but you get to hang out with me all the time. Christine, I just introduced her. She's our resident here at C12, and so she is involved with a lot of the leadership, what's going on and making this thing happen. But I have two other very incredible, wise, beautiful people up here with me as well, Um, and I'm going to let them kind of introduce themselves instead of me do it to you. I got to get you, got to get warmed up. Okay, it's sitting, it's sitting my turn. This is the three of us, the, the, tri, the triune force. I don't know what's happening right now. Um, <laughs> so this is, this is Paige. Paige, say hello. Is this on? No. Yeah. It is on. Hey, guys, I'm Paige. This, that's Paige. <laughs> we might need to do like a yeah. little dance party yeah. or something. If you're listening on the podcast, <laughs> that was not a tape delay. They just are being a little bit uh, difficult tonight. <laughs> um, let's try that again. So hey, everyone, this is Paige. Oh, yes. Um, Paige, who are you? My name is Paige Ewing, and I live here in Buford, and I see some former students in the audience. I used to teach at Hebron. I was about to say, um, I don't know what that means, but like... I was a teacher. People was just teacher. got real... Oh, crap. <laughs> Raise your hand if I taught you in seventh grade. There we go, right there. <laughs> I know, just one. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I used to teach school, middle school, and I coached cheerleading, and then um, in 2009, I had my first child. I had a daughter, and I stayed at home, and I've been at home ever since, and... Pretty much my husband said, you need to uh, try to do something to make some money. And I'm like, well, you're the one who wanted me to stay at home. But that's where photography came in, and I started a photography business. It's called Paige Ewing Photography. And um, I have two little girls, so Avery and Charlotte, and i um, been married for almost 11 years now. You better get that number right. That's all you like. I always get it right. Ki- yeah, you're right. The, the guys are the ones right. that suck with the numbers, but it's fine. You did great, so well okay, done. Okay, so that's about me. <laughs> Uh, and also, and Paige is one of the mentors here at C12, so she gets to help pour into the leadership of what we all get to experience, um, and she's incredible. And then this strapping young man in the end, his name's Austin. Y'all give it up for Austin. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, homie. You've done this before. I don't need to. Okay, so uh, my name is Austin. Um, I taught at Hebron. So l- this would be fun. I went to North Gwinnett High School. Do we have any Bulldogs in here? <laughs> Come on. I like, okay. You just got booed. Booted. <laughs> Graduated uh, a long time ago. I won't tell you what year. But anyways, uh, did that. Went to school up in Virginia at Liberty University and then found my way back here. I did the uh, residency program, exactly what Christine's doing, uh, here at 12 Some, and then left there. And I was a student pastor in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee for a couple years. And then I just came back. I couldn't stay away for too long, so uh, I'm back on staff here at 12 Song as of a couple weeks ago, 
And uh, so now I'm just hanging out. And what's you're not just hanging oh, yeah, out. You're yeah, doing yeah. stuff. What's your title? <laughs> oh, I'm what do sorry. you do? Yeah, so I'm the pastor of residency. So I'm helping lead uh, the residency program that Christina is a part of. That's right. And uh, I've been married for <laughs> 13, <Double boss. laughs> no, no, 15 months. 15 months. See how that number in? thing worked? Guys, take note. All yeah, right? a year and three yeah. months is what I was thinking. I said 13. Uh, I see. Yeah, math. Yeah. It's I difficult sh- sometimes. Yeah, Sorry. wisdom is not. So what we're going to do is Christine, our resident, uh, Christine has kind of a list of questions that have come in through the night or through the week. Uh, Remember, if you have questions, this is totally the time to have your phone out and send in questions. Um, Maybe if you need a little icebreaker, we'll start off with one to help you understand what it's going to look like. But she's going to have the floor and run this thing. um, And we're just going to make fools of ourselves, basically. And side note, if I get a call that my wife's going into labor, goodbye. I am running out of here as fast as possible. Hey, she's, do, the, uh, she's, she's doing seven days. Woo-hoo. Yeah. What's the Twitter handle thing? Oh, I, oh, okay, good. You weren't snapping me again. It's weird. No, I won't it's strange, bro. I would um, never. At I would C12 never. Stone. Yes, at C12 Stone. So at, one two, at C12 Stone. Cool. Uh, you should already be following us. <laughs> Come on. Um, but everything you ask, just tag at C12 Stone, and then we're going to have a little bit of conversation tonight. Y'all ready? Good. Four of you, all the rest of you, goodbye. But Christine, it's your floor. All right. Let's jump in. We have an excellent first question. Hashtag asking for a friend. What product does Matt use in his beard? Yes. Um, We would love to know this. Hashtag, you're never asking for a friend. Like, you just gave it away, you're asking for you. So, oh, oh, really? Really? I appreciate that. Um, Nothing. I don't put anything in my beard. You lie. I promise, bro. Nothing. If I was going to use anything, I'd use coconut oil, but I don't use anything. Crunchy. Nothing. Th- thank you. Yes. It's, um, I don't know, good jeans. Yeah, so that's probably very disappointing. But basically, if that, do- if that answer doesn't work for you, then just do better, okay? That's, Pray That's a really lot. what needs to happen. Be more of a man. All right. Second question. How do dinosaurs fit into the creation account? We all we all waiting on yeah. I was waiting on that one. Paige texted me earlier today and she was like, "Listen, if the dinosaur question comes in, I'm phoning in a friend. I don't know what to do." I said, "That's okay. Um, what you need to know, the funny part is, I have gotten to do something like this twelve different times. Now thirteen, and twelve of the thirteen times, someone has asked that question. Someone what is has the asked question: Why are dinosaurs no longer around? What was the point of them? Is that the question? No, is oh yeah, re- rephrase it because I'm confused now. <laughs> dinosaurs how do they fit into the picture oh with god well they're armor. really big and all that. um <laughs> bones cool fossil st- no okay <clears throat> so you ready for my answer because i do this all the time you ready i don't know <laughs> that's right you're welcome it's so good right yeah i don't know um so certain people could try to extract words from the book of Job where it talks about Leviathan and his legs were the size of oak trees. And like, man, you don't know what that means. Um, so re- really the answer that I would give, and then I don't know that anybody could give other than this, is I don't know. Um, how it fits into the story of creation and all that, I don't know. However, uh, there's, I, I told this to Christine earlier, and I watched her. I watched it. She went. Like, no idea what to do with herself. It's a great time. So, a lot of times people get hung up on the story of the dinosaurs because we go back in human time. 
we t- typically date it back to however many thousand years of B.C., but dinosaurs are like 65 million years B.C. How do you do that, right? Well, the problem is uh, you can have one of two thoughts of creation, that creation was a literal six days. So one day he did this, the next day he did this, that all of Genesis 1 is six literal days, like sun went down and it came back up. Um, but the problem is that whenever you look at the nature of things, Time kind of existed in this weird way where time is kind of designated by start and end. It's a, it's a linear movement, right? Are we with me? I'm not, I promise I'm not going, uh, what is it? What's the, what's the, I'm not going interstellar on you, I promise, okay? However, on the sixth day, God made Adam. That's what we see in Genesis. He made Adam. Now, whether it was a thousand years before, a thousand hours, one day, whatever. Sixth day, God made Adam. What we do not know is the amount of time from when he made Adam to when the fall happened. We have no idea. Go look. The genealogies that you see in Genesis chapter 4 and chapter 5 start talking about time after the fall. But if everything was perfect and the fall didn't occur and sin didn't enter the world, and because of sin we have death and nothing would have died, so we have no idea how long Adam was on the earth until the fall actually happened. It could have been forever, and all the dinosaurs could have lived and gone away, and even the good ones. Like, you have, you have no idea. And so anyone, and that's all just completely, like, theoretical. That's not an answer. You know what I'm saying? The answer is I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't. Do y'all have a better answer? Do you think the big one in Jurassic World at the very end was around? Because that was my favorite one. <sighs> the one that ate the, the girl, the lady. I thought, I thought that, why are you freaking giving the movie away, bro? <laughs> it's old. Everybody's seen it. Maybe I haven't seen it. Jerk. No, uh, I, didn't, they, didn't they create that dinosaur? It was a hybrid. Um, it was a hybrid. Job Austin. Created. <laughs> I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Cool. All right. Next question. We're going to go a little bit more spiritual. Not that dinosaurs aren't spiritual. but uh, Sorry. How do we live out the life Jesus wants you to live out day to day? So. And deep. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you live out the life that Jesus wants you to live day to day? Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to throw it over to my colleagues. Well, it's certainly unattainable. If we were perfect, we'd be able to do what Jesus did. But he still calls us to know him more and to have that relationship with him. He doesn't say, you know, well, you're kind of a screw up, so I'll just give you a pass. You know, don't worry about it that much. Um, for me personally, I can only speak for what I know. I know my faith. And so that's what I'm going to share from with y'all tonight. Um, for me personally, I mean, I have to just, I have to die to self. I've got a lot of desires and dreams and goals. And I've got a lot of selfish ambition, have a lot of pride. And, um, a lot of that drives my decisions, even on a daily basis. I mean, I've got kids. They need to be fed in the morning. Sometimes I don't want to get up and feed them. I just want to stay in bed and be like, Preach. You know, go eat some Cheerios, Pop-Tarts. I don't know. Just get out of my face. Take care of yourself, two-year-old. Exactly. (laughs) You're two. You got it. Eat some frozen gummies this morning. She'll be happy with that. But it's the little things. It's the little things. It's not just one big, I've got it together. This is how I'm going to live my life like Jesus does. It's dying to self in the little things moment by moment. 
and in my marriage, I have to die to self, and I don't want to. I want to win. I want to be right, you know, but I have to be like Jesus, and um, to say, <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I'm kidding. Marriage is awesome, but um, it's the daily, the daily decisions. Every chance you have the opportunity to go, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, to evaluate what are my motives behind this? Am I taking this step and making this decision because it's really kind of my own selfish flesh, you know, or is this really where Jesus is calling me? And you don't know that if you're not walking with him. You don't know his voice if you don't communicate with him. So that's how I try to be like God. (laughs) Can't, but you try. That's good. Um, I I would just go right along with that. I think I think the best thing you can do, I grew up under a pastor here kind of in the area, and he's known for this saying, something like this, it's um, obey God and leave the rest up to him. Obey God and leave the rest up to him. And I've found that in my life, the best thing that I can do is just obey him and then leave the consequences, leave everything else up to him. And so whatever God has spoken to you in his word, just obey that. Whatever that was, whatever that is, just obey it and leave the rest up to him. And that doesn't take away from, like, you know, us wanting to dream big or us trying to figure out where he's leading us and that kind of thing. But when it comes to following Jesus, is that me? A feared action. I don't, oh, that's me. right. Okay. But when it, comes, when it comes to following him, when it comes to being like him, uh, just obey him. Obey what he said in his word and leave the rest up to him. Yeah, Some, sometimes we can overcomplicate answers. Like... As you get older, a lot of times people are going to make it think like we got to do this and know this and then theologically land this down and know how you fall on this ism plane and where you are. And, but, dude, it's just Jesus. At the end of the day, it's just Jesus. And the answer to everything is fall more in love with Jesus, period. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost it. All the tweets came anything, in. Okay. Anything to add? I was thinking... Um, with that, it's so easy to fall into legalism, which is, quite frankly, a little bit more of my pattern because it either turns into a to-do list, like, oh, a formula. Okay, so to draw closer to God, I wake up early because that's all the superstars. is what they all do, and I want to be just like them. <laughs> I, right, but, you know. And then read my Bible every day, journal, worship all the time, all this kind of stuff, and then it while those are beautiful and things that do draw us closer to God, those can also become just checklist items. They become a little bit more legalistic because it just becomes habit and we lose the heart behind it. So like what you all were saying, like heart, which is really what Jesus is after, more, far more than any ritual, it's the heart he's after and drawing closer to you as you draw closer to him. And along this, um, what abilities and inheritance do I have when I'm united in Christ other than receiving eternal life? Boom. (laughs) Repeat the question one more time. I heard it, but I needed to soak in. That's okay, yeah. getting old, I get like, (laughs) what? Hang on. Do it, yeah, do it again. Pass the phone around. (laughs) Just, Just try again. All right. What abilities... An inheritance do I have when I'm united in Christ, other than receiving eternal life? I, I got that one. I get it now. You got, not that I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I went like, hey, that's mine. I get to answer you it. Claimed it, bro. Shut you your face. It. Okay. Well, I'll try. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it comes, what I, what I have learned over time is 
the more united with him, if that's the word he uses, united with Christ, the more united I am with him, the closer, the, uh, the more intimate I am uh, with my creator, with my father. Uh, he is the source of my confidence. He is the source of my significance. And, and I, I talk about this all the time. If you've been here for two weeks, right, I wear a rubber band that says love and joy and peace. And I think that the only way that you can ever live out God's love and joy and peace and live with his love and joy and peace rather than your pain and shame and guilt is whenever you fully find yourself in Jesus. Uh, You allow his view of you to be the view of you. Uh, You stop trying to manipulate people around you for their view of you. And you start realizing God's made me exactly as I am. I don't need to go be blank because if I was supposed to be them, I would be them. And Teddy Roosevelt says, comparison is the thief of joy. I think if you want to live out joy, the joy that God could give, it's finding yourself in him every day. And that is an offer. That's a gift that everyone gets. The more you die to yourself, uh, the more you die to your selfishness and vain conceit and pride. And I'm going to do me. Like, the more you just drop that a little bit and you start realizing I can trust and obey, like the simplicity of it. All those things come along. So it is, it is much more than just, it's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's full life. And I think that's what oftentimes we miss. Like, yeah, you can be scared into heaven, I guess. But why in the world would you want to? That's not life. I want to be alive. And you find that, I think, whenever the more united, the more you fall into, the more you surrender into him. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? I just want to add a little bit to that. Um, Totally on the same train, you know, finding your worth in Christ. But what I've realized, too, is that when I know that the Holy Spirit is in me, you know, the same Holy Spirit and the power that raised Christ from the dead, you start to think about your problems are kind of minuscule when you think about that. And we struggle with our our sin. I feel like for me, when I think, I just need to overcome this. You know, i got to try hard. i got to pray hard. i got to be a better person. i got to be a better Christian. Um, but I have to realize it's not my power that's going to overcome and conquer that sin. I have to utilize the Holy Spirit who demolished sin. You know, he kicked it in the butt. You know, they nailed Jesus on the cross, and he still rose three days later because he's greater than sin. He arrested sin and said, you don't have to be a slave to this anymore. So when I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me, number one, I think freedom not just from hell, but freedom in my daily life. Freedom from, preach. Come on. Uh, Come on. Um, but freedom from, um, you know, I don't have to try harder to overcome this sin and this temptation in my life. I just have to love Jesus and know that when I'm weak, that's when he's strong. And if I can say, God, I cannot do this anymore, your spirit has got to overcome this. That's when his power shines brighter and it's stronger. And you realize how much greater and more powerful you are when you're operating out of him and knowing what he can do through you, not what you've accomplished on your own. Retweet. (laughs) Yes. All right, next question. How do you discern God's calling on your life? (laughs) I don't know. I would say this. Um, I think, I believe God's calling on your life is to chase after him. That's his calling on your life. And so when you're asking, this is probably in reference to I'm in college, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm 20, whatever you are. 
uh, and I don't know what to do next with my life. That's usually uh, why we ask that question. But I would say this, and, and this, I'm probably going to hate this answer. If you will focus on what God has called you to now, and you will chase after that, and you'll keep your eyes on him and just run after him, then his calling really is, is whatever. I mean, what's the scripture? It says, uh, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, like, I think, I think God is more concerned with who you are than what you do. And so many times we're trying to figure out, like, our next step in life, or does he want me to go to Georgia or Georgia Tech? We all know the right answer to that one. But does he want me to go, you know, to here or to this? Does he want me to go on this mission trip, or does he not want me to go? And, and I would just say, if you keep your eyes, you keep your focus on him and just chase after him, then, like, whatever you do, just do to the glory of God. I, I spent so much time wondering those questions, asking those questions, that it almost sends you into depression you're trying to figure out your future. And I would just say, I, I think God can do what he wants to in your life wherever you go. If you will, wherever you go and whatever you do, just bring glory to him. Does that make sense? Okay. There's a, there's a story that I heard recently. This is, I know that you like labeled it to the 18, 19, 20 year old. I just turned 30 and there, there are parts of my life. Like I kind of laughed at the beginning because I am relearning stuff like this all the time. Um, I was told a story. I was trying to figure out something of, of kind of next in my life and, and what was going to be happening um, in this next season that my wife and my family that we're going into. And I wanted it to be whatever the next is. Maybe I'll get this. I wanted it to be this overwhelming, like, boom, that's where you're going. That's what you're doing. That's the next. It just this powerful, divine, momentary revelation of everything. That's what I wanted. And I think a lot of times that's where we go by default. But the truth is that's really lazy because it's just dependent. God, just show up. Where are you? Like, I'm waiting. Come on. And somebody was explaining, sometimes God operates like that. Sometimes, um, so there's one story. The story, Kevin Queen was teaching me this. He said, the story of how Kevin got here, the story of how Kevin Queen, our Hamilton Mill campus pastor, how he got to 12 stone was just ridiculous, like silly, shouldn't have happened. He was fasting from a certain date to a certain date about what the next was in his life. At the same time, uh, this church was fasting, all the elders and staff were fasting for a high school pastor, this is 12 years ago, fasting for a high school pastor, and then he randomly met someone on staff here, one of the leadership, and then they met someone else that where he then met PK, and PK was like, you look a little bit thinner than you do in your picture. What, like, are you sick? And he was like, do I say I'm fasting? If I say I'm fasting, does that mean I lose all the anointing? Like, do I, yes. I don't know what to do right here. Um, I'm fasting. He was like, interesting, what are the dates? And he said the dates. He said, that's crazy because our board's fasting for the same thing that you're looking for at the exact same dates. Like, bananas stuff happens. But at the same time, this is Kevin's point to me that I would say to you, that does occur sometimes, but sometimes... It's kind of like when he was at the playground with his daughter. So Raleigh, his daughter, when she was younger, Kevin was at the playground with her at Mulberry Park up at Hamilton Mill. And they got to the park, and Raleigh looked up at Kevin and said, Daddy, where do you want me to play? And he said, wherever you want to play. Like, it's a playground. Go play. He said, and sometimes we wait on God to tell us exactly where to go. And God's like, here's the boundaries. This is what I've laid out for your life. Go figure it out. Go have fun. Go take a step. Go take a risk. You want to go down the slide? Go down the slide. You want to go on the swings? Swing on the swings for a while. You're in my favor. You're in my hands. I got you. 
You don't need to tell you don't need me to kick you in the butt to tell you where to go. Go. Do it. And that that opened up a lot for me of understanding like his hands are around it and he doesn't want us to sit back and God just come on. He's saying, you know, like I've given you everything. <laughs> go have fun and just trust that I'm here. I'm watching. I got you. And if you go outside the boundaries, guess what? I'm probably going to run you down and go bring you back in. Because if my kid runs away, what am I? Oh, there he goes. There's a lake over there. I hope he doesn't. Let's see. Do you think he's going to go in the lake? Let's see. Does he go in the lake? Yeah. No. Oh, I've he seen, went in the lake. I've seen Bowen go in um, swimming pools and That's right. birthday she parties. Has, she has watched my son full clothes go, wee into a pool. So <laughs> he would totally do that. Um, but no, that's not in the character of God. That's not what a loving father would do. When Bowen did that, I immediately went in after him and got him. The moment you go outside that playground, God's going to run after you and bring you back in. And so you have a lot of trust. You have a lot of freedom. Going back to that word, you have a lot of freedom. And when you want to find the direction that God's having for you, pick. Choose whatever he's uniquely wired you to do. Go do it. Figure out you. Find your strengths. What makes you come alive? Um, you kind of can't go wrong. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next question. What happens to those who have, who have not had the opportunity to learn about Jesus and salvation? Here we go. What was the first part? Get theological. Sorry. <laughs> what happens to those who have not had the opportunity to learn about Jesus and salvation? Take it away, Pastor. <laughs> you got it, Pastor Matt. <laughs> I'm not a pastor, so y'all can take this one. I, I was pointing opinion. to you, Paige. You opinion. do ministry. <clears throat> All right, Austin, take it away, Austin. I'll start. Yeah, let's y'all go. Are scared. Let's have. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Shots fired up in you. It's not. It's not. Yeah. We just know. We just know our place and when to shut up when something like that happens. So. No, no I let's, mean, this let's is, have this a conversation is, on this. This let's is go. not a right answer. This is, um, has anybody ever heard of David Platt and read the book Radical? Okay. Scary stuff right there. I mean, we did a small group lesson on it, and the women in my group, we were crying. We are like, I don't really want to go. Is he really going to make us go and do these things? But um, there, was, there was something in the book that talked about countries that have, you know, these, these tribes who live in the deepest parts of the rainforest and the jungles, and no one has gone out to witness and share Christ to them. And um, something about what David had written in this book really stuck out to me about how God reveals himself through nature. And I feel like, hmm, that's something to really ponder. You know, if, if you have a brain and if you have eyes or ears or, or touch, God has created all things in this earth. And so he can reveal himself through certain things. Maybe people take it the wrong way. They start to worship the sun as a sun god, you know, or um, create idols. But I, I do not think that God is incapable of revealing himself to someone because when he creates a human being, he deposits a soul into every single human being that he made. Don't you think he can't not connect with that soul somehow, some way, he did it with us, you know, we, we've heard the gospel, but it's still our decision whether or not we want to accept that and how we transfer that. But I feel like there is a way, and that's my answer. I love that, because a lot of times we ask that question because 
we're like, man, the Bible is not in every place, has not been to every person. So how does someone get knowledge of Jesus or of God without the Bible? Right. Or if someone doesn't hear about him, are they just destined to go to hell? Like, are they, well, that's not fair. Like, that's the, that's the repeat question that comes up after it. So, I mean, sorry. Yeah, and, and God creates, like, creates knowledge of him through other things than just the Bible. So he can reveal himself through other things than just scripture. I think that's one of the big ways he does it, but he's not limited yeah. to pages, you know, to words on pages. I think one of the big things that you have to understand when you ask this question is scripture talks all about how um, none of us is inherently good. We're all, we're all really evil, and without Jesus, there's nothing good in us. And so none of us just are born like good people, right? Anybody born just a great person? Matt, you were? No, but if you just raise your hand, you lied, and then yeah, you're, just, yeah, yeah. Like, you're wrong. So and now so, you're not a good person. And, <laughs> and well, so there I is think that. you have to go into the conversation thinking, okay, none of us are worthy of heaven, if you want to talk about that, of eternal life anyways. Like from the very beginning, we're not worthy of it in the first place. And it's only through the, the grace and the gift of Jesus that we get it. And so we're all really evil. So the question isn't like who's evil. We all were evil at one time. You know, Matt, you want to finish it? Yeah, and that really gets into, I mean, that's a whole other spectrum of the conversation and the question. Um, the idea, I'm going to say something really brash that you're going to be like, what? But then I'm going to come out after and you're going to be like, oh. So I'm just giving the preface of it. Um, there is no difference. There's nothing better of me and Hitler. And that's like as, as out there as I can get. We are both equally evil. Now, on a moral plane, on a horizontal moral plane, like, no, I'm a better dude than freaking Hitler. Like, that's not even, you, stop it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's truth, okay? Um, there, there's no comparison there. Absolutely better person than that. On a moral scale, abs- like, sure, on a, on, a, on a horizontal scale. But on a vertical scale, on a heavenly, spiritual, divine, eternal scale, we're the same because none of us deserve Jesus. None of us deserve that love. None of us deserve heaven. So in the same way that the person that may never hear the actual word of Jesus, which is our English interpretation of a word that's pronounced Yeshua and other like you can't someone who's never heard or experienced that um, vocally is equally as evil as Someone who has heard it 18,000 times. And to be quite honest, it might, it probably is more difficult for someone who has heard it through bad theology to accept it eventually and get it than someone who's never heard it before and hears it for the first time. And so a lot of people in America, like this is a mission field as well. Um, But at the same time, the question, that question leads to the answer of that's why the Great Commission exists. Jesus says, go and make disciples of the nations to the ends of the earth. Because there are people out there that don't know the love that we have. And the most hateful thing that we could ever do is not share with someone the love that we have. And so the most loving thing we can do is go and share with those the love that we have. So that's why we go. That's why we're going to Hungary and to pour into those children who will get to pour into their families and into their parents and the entire community. That's why we go on mission trips. That's why people live abroad. That's why we create Bibles in all the different languages. There are projects to create the Bible in every single language on the planet because there are I don't even know. I can't even try to guess how many dozens of languages, if not hundreds of languages in the world that don't have an interpretation of the Bible for them. And so 
That's why we do the work of what it is. But at the end of the day, the spectrum, the... Wow. I didn't even do it. I mean, ben, ben, that wasn't me, homie. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, but on the spectrum, you have to think about it that way. Morally, we, like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm a more moral human being than Donald Trump. Okay? <laughs> but... Make America great again, Matt. It's going to make America grapes again. That's right. Um, sorry. SNL, drunk uncle. Uh, but on the divine scale, it's all the same. It's going to make America grapes again, Colin. It's going to do it. That's what I think. Um, but, that, but that's really where it lands. So I hope that answers Great question. Yeah. And if any of you are sending in questions, first off, I'll give this little interjection. This is your opportunity. If you've ever been like, man, I really wish I had a mentor, this is your opportunity to ask questions. Because in a mentor relationship, it's your job to ask questions, to get inside the mentor's head, to know how to live better. We got some wisdom. We've been there. We can help you unlock those riddles and parts in your life. So ask the questions so we can help you out. Second, if you're asking a question and Christine up here is reading it, and then we don't answer the question that you just asked, you should totally yell at us, okay? Like, no, you, nope, that didn't help. Hang on, this is what I meant. I have no problem with you saying that because we want to be helpful, okay? So just don't throw something at me because I can't, can't see. And You're not an athlete that, either. So. <laughs> so, Christine, go next before I say something I shouldn't. <laughs> okay, transition. Because you, you played real sports in college, right? <laughs> You're on a slam dunk team with trampolines, bro. Trampolines. So white. Okay, sorry. <laughs> He can dunk. I can't. It's totally fine. <laughs> okay. How do you know the Bible is God's word? Why is it different than any other books that claim to be divine? What proof is there? And you all are asking because, really good questions. I'm, I'm going to hold on to mine. Because Paige said so. That's, That's right. right. Boom. Uh, I'm going to hold on. If y'all, I'm gonna, I'll go next. I'll go second. You can lead off. You want me to lead off? Dad blam. Okay. So it's Christian cussing. It's fine. Um, so my answer, how do you know that the Bible is, is accurate, is true, and all the other books that claim to be divine are not? Okay. So this is, a, this is an apologetics question. Uh, before I answer, let me say that some of the best people, if you're asking these types of questions, go on YouTube and look up Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias. Um, I couldn't spell that right now. It's totally fine. But Ravi, R-A-V-I. Just search that and you'll find it. Ravi Zacharias or Nabil Qureshi. Nabil Qureshi, N-A-B-E-E-L. Nabil Qureshi. Uh, those two guys, uh, I could sit for hours and watch them talk apologetics and defend their faith and know how to answer those kinds of things. Um, but what I've seen them do in watching their apologetic approach that I love that I would tell you, um, every single one Every single one of the other books that would claim to be divine, uh, first off, all of them have to do with something that you do while you're on earth to earn a place into the afterlife. Uh, Christianity is the only one that says there's nothing you can do on this earth to earn anything in the next life. It is fully surrendering yourself to Jesus, and then after his work, he gives us the grace to be in heaven for the rest of eternity. So, Jesus really, I mean, that's kind of the cliche answer. Jesus is the difference. Um, but this is the thing that I would say to it. 
what those guys do so well that I couldn't even pretend to, to get in their heads and do what they do. Um, you need to go watch it. Is they talk about the, the historicity. Is that the right word? Hist- history. Isn't that right? Okay. The historicity, the, the history of, um, like the historical accuracy of the Bible. The Bible is a historical work. You can go back in time and date and place all the things that happened. You can go back and look when Cyrus of Persia was was running through and taking over all of Mesopotamia in the book of Daniel. That actually happened. And the story of Daniel is like there are scrolls of languages dozens times over that all tell the story of this one person, this one greater story. The Bible was told through all these different countries, through all these different people over the course of thousands of years, all telling one collective story, the exact same thread, the exact same message. Like that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen, and yet it did because God and the Holy Spirit is divinely authoring all of it. But if you look historically, Jesus was a real person. There are historical uh, statements and documents of, yes, there was a Jesus of Nazareth. And then there were, yes, there was this. All of it happens historically, and if you go back and look at it, uh, you can't find any fault or any fallacy in the language. Uh, Nabil Qureshi talks about this because he grew up Islam. He grew up a Muslim. And as growing up that, he was taught all these ways to combat Christianity. That's what he was taught, the apologetics of the Quran and Islam. And he said as he started to really dig down deep to see if what he was attacking Christianity with, if it was true, the thing that he couldn't wrap his head around was historically everything that the Bible talks about is right. None of it is taken out of context. None of it is wrong in any capacity. So there's a historical argument. Uh, There's a divine argument by just looking at how many people wrote over how many cultures, how many languages, how many years. The same story is silly. Um, But then the the overarching blanket statement that I would give to this is it's what I said at the beginning. It depends on what you believe about God. So if you believe that God is perfect, if you believe that God is in control, theologically that is accurate of who God is. If you believe that, then if he wanted something else to be in the Bible, it would be in the Bible. Like, man did not put together the 66 books of the Bible. God did. And there are other uh, auxiliary things that could have been in there, and, well, why is this kind of misconstrued, and why don't we interpret this the same way, and why is, like, you think God's confused by that? He's not looking at it going, oh, crap, they messed it up. Dang it. Now, and now they can print it. Oh, ugh. Like, every, if it wasn't supposed to be in there, it wouldn't be in there because he doesn't make mistakes. And if it's supposed to be in there, he wanted it in there. And so that story is God's story. So my answer is ultimately based upon what I believe about God. I believe he's perfect. I believe he's divine. I believe he's true, and I believe I can trust him. And so for that reason, my heart screams out that the Bible is the infallible word of God, that it's absolute truth. Um, and that is going to drive all the answer that I could give in the, in the further context. Why I wanted to go second is because I just talked for four minutes. Like, shut me up. I knew you would do so good that I just wanted you to take it. You're such a cheerleader for me. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> does, that, does that help? Okay. Does that help understand how to unpack the thought? And if it doesn't, it's because I'm not as smart as Ravi Zacharias and Nabil Qureshi, and I try to just say a little bit about what I learned from them. So go look that up. Go, 
go educate yourself, okay? Learn something. Okay. On a little bit more of a lighter note, maybe not. We'll find out. Are you ready? Okay. What are your thoughts on Joel Olstein? Emphatically, please answer this question. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you have thoughts? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Go. Let, let me start with this. I think I get really uh, bothered by when just Christians just get in their little huddles and just talk about, like, other preachers and other communicators, and we just get this, like, bickering going on about other people who are doing really great things. So I would challenge you, first of all, uh, to be careful how you talk about other people who are, well, this is debatable, but who are sharing the gospel of Jesus, okay? Um, Because, honestly, I've never met the dude. You guys ever met him? I've never met him. uh, But I've heard someone who has met him. He's the nicest man on the planet and, like, totally legit. Really? Someone who said, yeah, but I've, I've never shook his smiling hand. I don't know. Yeah. He's got a great smile. He does. I, it's got to be manufactured. That's all I'm saying. Um, and so I just, get, I just get a little bit iffy about us just sitting behind our computers, YouTubing people and going, oh, man, this guy, he's, he's sent from hell, all this kind of stuff. Hey, don't, you just don't worry about that, okay? Um, what I would say is that you can make a logical art. I mean, you can listen to him and go, you know, I don't really necessarily agree with all that Joel Osteen uh, says or does or whatever. I, I don't know that he's the devil, but like I don't, I don't really agree with him. So I'm gonna go about my thing and, and let him do it. Okay. So I would say, um, do I really like share what I think about? Yeah, him? it's totally safe, man. That's your caveat, and I give the answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> Freedom. I think what I have heard is uh, he preaches a little bit of a gospel that um, God is only here to do good for you. And um, I would tell you that when you get Jesus, you get Jesus, and you get nothing else, really. Like, there's nothing else really promised to you. And so, like, he doesn't promise you, like, a free life with no pain or anything. And, I, and most of what I have heard... He promises the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, he really like, does. He says, you will in suffer. this life, you will face trials right. and tribulations. And so, yet I find joy in the trials. Yeah. Like, it is well with my soul, right? And so... From what I have heard um, of him, I think he preaches a gospel that leans a little bit more toward uh, this. in this life, you should just be happy all the time, and here's how you should be happy, and that kind of ties in with Scripture, whereas I would go about it more of here is Scripture and how it applies to your life and how I think God cares about you like being happy, but you got to find happiness through the lens of him and not like find happiness, and then he's somewhere in there, you know? I don't listen to Joel Osteen. Osteen, I don't even know how to say his name. But, I mean, I just hear that he's like a prosperity preacher, gospel guy, whatever. Um, I mean, I just compare anything any preacher says, even PK, you know, Kevin Queen, people who we admire wholeheartedly and we would 100% trust. You can't always just take whatever they say at face value. They're still men. They're still people. They're not Jesus. You know, you've got to go back and just compare it to the word and say, you know, God, just give me wisdom. Give me vision. What do you want? What do you want from me? And, um, I mean, yes, we could go on and on about how what Jesus really says and what he promises and going back to the radical book of, you know, follow me, leave your parents, let someone else bury your family, you know, just get up and leave. 
there's going to be suffering, you might get crucified. Your head might get cut off, but I want you to fall. You know, it's like, mm, I don't really want to do that, um, Jesus. I look good today. I like, know. Oh. I fixed my hair today. I don't want to get my head cut Hang off. Hang on. I, don't, I need a haircut, but just besides me. So, totally I true. mean, yeah, going on a totally different subject, that's another conversation about just, you know, following Christ and life is fluffy. It's not. Um, but just compare whatever any preacher says to the word and you'll have your answer. Hashtag boom. Great. <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit, how do we handle anger and frustration in a godly way or anger and fear, that kind of inner turmoil? How do we handle all that? Christian cuss words. <laughs> what did you say earlier? Dad blame it. Dad blame it. <laughs> Dad blame it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not good. Don't like do that. Shoot. Um, shoot. Yeah, mother, father, one of those. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, crap, that's bit. about to happen all the time now. Um, how do you deal with anger? Uh, punch a lot of people and walls. Rage. No, um, I think that's a really tricky question because I don't think everybody in here struggles with anger. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever struggled with anger a lot. Uh, there's only really one time in my life that I have, and that was when I was 20, 22 years old, 21 years old. Up until then, I never really struggled with anger. Um, but I would say that the best way to approach anger is, is understanding that your anger is not the issue. Uh, your anger is the manifestation of something much deeper. So your anger is the top layer. It's sitting up here for what actually is going on. Because most of the time, your anger is going to be the manifestation of some sense of pain. You're going to be hurt. And as a result of your hurt, the way that you're going to express that pain and that hurt is through anger. While some people express it through depression and they inwardly take it and they get sad, some people outwardly express it and they get angry and they go blow up. And so anger is not the issue. Uh, the next level down would be your pain. And in order to get down to this, you've got to get rid of the anger. But in order to get rid of the anger, then you're going to be faced with this pain. Why do I hurt so much? Why is this so difficult? Why does life suck so bad? Why is everything falling apart? Why is this so painful internally, right? So then that hits, and there's this layer. But that's not even the deepest layer. you got to, you got to dig. And so get rid of the anger, and then I would say the anger is the manifestation of your pain, and the pain is actually the manifestation of a fear. You're afraid of something. Um, what is it that you're afraid of, and why are you afraid of it? And really, what then does that fear say about you? So someone asked me one time, Matt, what's your greatest fear? And almost without hesitation, I said, letting people down. Uh, letting God down, letting my family down, letting those that I love down and I look up to down, letting those that look up to me down, letting you down, letting my wife down, uh, just disappointing people. And I like, how many of y'all have ever shared that fear? Just fear of like, Failing because you know you're going to let people down. Okay. In the season of life that you're in, that might be totally fine. It might be able, you might be able to run through that and figure out, dig down deep and find out what it is. And I see you. Okay. Um, for me, when that question was asked of me, my, my wife was eight months pregnant. My son was a year and a half old. And that was my answer, letting people down. And the guy that asked me the question said, huh. Do you realize how narcissistic that is? You just said you're more afraid of looking bad in front of people than your wife not going to heaven or your kids getting cancer. What, that, what, what are you really afraid of? And I think that your fears oftentimes say a lot about you. 
And so when you do the digging down, like the anger is, is the shell. The anger is rarely ever the actual issue. Um, the way you deal with it is get down and start to think and start to ask the question, why? Why am I so angry? What is it that really hurts so bad? And what am I really afraid of? Because it's in those fears, when you get to that place and you get rid of all the dirt on top of it, that God can speak in and say, like, hang on, that ain't, that ain't real. Matt, you don't need to be worried about people's view of you if you disappoint people, because people can't tell you who you are, only I can. So find your confidence and your significance in me. Like, this is what I had to get to over the last three years. And so I would say you got you to gotta realize it's a layer. It's a, it's a blanket on top of the actual problem. Did you have a follow-up to this? Yes. Yeah, to absolutely. I, I, I validate that desire. I see that. Um, you are totally on point by asking that. Um, do y'all want to speak into it before I keep talking? Y'all go. You're on a roll. I, I, I'll, no, I'll man, I don't like, I roll with them every week. Like, y'all. I would, I would say this. Someone, uh, a mentor of mine taught me this, that you guys know the story of Jesus in the boat and the, the storm is going crazy. The things are going nuts with the disciples. They're in the boat. Waves are crashing all around them. And then um, Jesus calms the storm, and he says what? He said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And so think about this. If Jesus rebuked his disciples for being afraid in a boat, on a, like in a storm, like one of the scariest things you could possibly be in, in my opinion. Like I hate those kind of movies, right? Like it freaks me out. If he rebuked them for being afraid in the middle of that, then what does that say about you being afraid in the situation that you're in? And so really, all fear that we go through, all fear that we have in our life right now, I think Jesus would say, why are you afraid? Like, don't you, don't you trust me? Why are you afraid? And so, I, you know, for anything that I've ever, like, been through in my life where I've had fear of, of I don't know what the next step in life is, or I don't know how I'm going to get through this, or I don't know this and that, I just step back and go, like, I really have no need to be afraid because the same proximity that Jesus was to his disciples in the boat is the same proximity he is to me. Actually, I think he's nearer because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and they didn't have that. So if he rebuked them for being afraid in the middle of a storm, I've got nothing to be afraid of. Clap. Yes. (laughs) You spoke so quietly earlier. I wanted to make sure I heard what you said. You said you've been diagnosed. Can you speak up again and tell me what that was? PTSD? Okay, you've been diagnosed. So that causes fear and anxiety and anger. It comes out in anger. Um, I don't, I'm not a professional counselor, so I can't speak on, you know, that diagnosis. I would highly recommend, you know, seeing counseling, Christian counseling. Are you doing that? Okay. Um, Speaking, you know, kind of back to fears, PTSD, I feel like that would come from a place of fear, from a little bit of what I do know about it. Um, Something that's just stuck out in my head recently, uh, Beth Moore. Y'all familiar with Beth Moore? The women particularly, yeah, she's awesome. Um, She talked a lot about fears, and what, what we fear is where we trust God the least. 
and um, she was asked, what is your greatest fear? And she said her husband having an affair on her. And um, then it was like God was, was talking her through this saying, okay, so if he has an affair, then what? She says, well, I would probably be really sad. I would cry and I would be depressed and um, I would, you know, just be very upset. Then what? Well, then I guess I would probably have to pray and come to you. And then what? And God just kept walking her through these steps of, well, what happens with your greatest fear? And the result came out of, you would help me. You would strengthen me. And I would take the next step forward. And I would go out and I would minister to people. So the result of living out your greatest fear is that God strengthens you and makes you stronger. And you go out and you minister and you share his awesomeness and his glory and you spread what he did for you because somebody else is most likely going through that same crap. Then the fears don't really seem that scary anymore. And again, I can't say this is an answer to fix your problem, but um, I think that we all share something that you're struggling with as well, you know, when it comes to fear and anger. And if that doesn't help, come find me after. I'll talk with you, okay? Oh, don't say that. Okay, well, great transition. Um, listen, it's 9.09, okay? So typically around this time is when Savannah does her little great thing up here, and we all go crazy, and then I come up here, and I say, let's make Jesus famous, and then we end. Um, but do y'all want to keep going? Okay. Maybe not. Um, but what we're going to do is... If you, if you need to leave from this point forward, what I want to tell you is like, you can leave. There's freedom. I'm not going to be like, sit down. No, you can, you can leave if you need to leave. Um, I love getting to do this. I think there's high value in this. I think your questions are incredible and wonderful, and we want to get to them. Um, so we're going to keep going, if that's okay with you. If you need a little potty break, go take a potty break. Go grab a cookie or some water. But we're just going to keep talking, if that's all right with you. Is that cool? Cool. All right. So we're going to keep going. Okay. Yes. 